Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Tune in as we share stories of triumph, resiliency, and healing. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamily Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Hi, guys. Welcome back for another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. This episode, we have a really awesome, amazing guest. Um, This kind of hits home because as I've shared with you guys previously, um, I am a survival of sexual abuse and trauma. And so this is really important to talk about. Um, But talk about the energy field when it comes to sexual abuse and trauma. So here I have Lisa Erickson, who is an energy worker specializing in women's energetics and sexual trauma healing. She's an author of Chakra Empowerment for Women from Ludwin Publishing. She helps women maximize and balance their energy during key life transits such as pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, and menopause, including balancing the mother-child energy line. She also works with women to heal emotional wounds on an energy level from abuse and assault. She is certified in mindfulness meditation instruction and trauma sensitivity and has trained in a variety of healing modalities. She is a member of the International Association of Meditation Instructors, the American Holistic Health Association, the Energy Medicine Practitioners Association, and the Breathwork Network, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting holistic healing and healers for sexual trauma survivors. Lisa is passionate about helping any woman connect with their energy bodies. We'll learn more today talking with her about chakra empowerment for women. Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And and thank you so much for sharing your personal story because it's so important that more and more people feel, women especially feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. I, I think when you start doing some of your healing work, it's okay to share your story where you don't feel the pain anymore. It's empowering. It's part of healing the throat chakra sometimes. Oh yeah. You know, not being (laughs) locked in secrecy and yeah. Yeah. So Lisa, you call your work women's energetics. What is this? Well, I work primarily with the chakras there. We all have an energy anatomy, just like we have a physical anatomy and the chakras are the main energy centers. They're like the major organs in our energy body. And I I work with a lot of different healing techniques, but in my book and in a lot of my work, I focus on the chakras as the main way of working energetically. And women's energetics is the variations in how the chakras and energy flows function in women versus men. And it's really a spectrum. I work with trans individuals. I work with non-binary individuals. So when I talk about masculine, feminine masculine energy body, feminine energy body. It's this spectrum where you find yourself, where you find yourself. Yeah, exactly. And we all have both. People have to always remember that we have both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But what we have is uh, at a certain level, the energy body taps into our physical body. So for women, it follows the cycles of menstruation and pregnancy and menopause. So that's part of women's energetics work. And then the other piece is trauma healing, which of course is also relevant to men, but sexual trauma tends to impact women and men a little differently energetically. So that's, that's really all put all that under the umbrella of women's energetics. That's so in talking about women's energetic, you also work energetically with trauma survivors. Mm-hmm. How does trauma impact our energy body? Yeah. Well, I would say the first way it impacts us is that we may not have our energy body fully connected with our physical body. We may have patterns of disassociation, right? This is a psychological term that's used a lot, but it's relevant mm-hmm. in energy medicine too. And it's really that when we develop survival 
mechanisms for surviving difficult circumstances and episodes. And we may have developed patterns of kind of leaving our body, uh, a kind of flight, fight or flight, right? This kind of flight. And there's a lot of different ways we could do that. But that can then carry over into situations in which we, you know, are not in a moment where we're actually under threat, but we have a habit of not being fully in our body. To me, it's that the energy body is like floating like a balloon above the physical body and you have to anchor it back down into that root chakra. So a lot of the work is anchoring in the root chakra, which is linked to our ability to feel safe and present in our body. So that is the first step is almost always working with feeling safe and present in your body. And interestingly enough, a lot of healing work, it's tough for it to work if you don't have this hook in, right? Because it can just be sort of thoughts. You know, you can be doing all the affirmations you want. It's just spinning all up here. It's not changing your body vibrationally. So that's why this getting anchored in the root chakra is so important. It's interesting that you talked about the disassociation because I too work with um, children who have experienced all levels Mm -hmm. of abuse and trauma. And one thing that I hear more often of younger girls who have experienced severe uh, sexual abuse and trauma is the disassociation Mm -hmm. and the feeling like, you know, they're thinking about something completely else or they're not in their body Mm -hmm. while the trauma is happening. And so it, I, I think it's important how you kind of connected that and saying that it's the root that the anchor Mm -hmm. in how to, you know, to start the process of working and healing it. Yeah. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. And what happens is then, you know, in a way it's, it's, it's a survival mechanism. It helps you get through the moment, but then whenever there is another moment that arises in your life where you feel anxiety or fear, you may go to that same pattern. So it holds you back in life from the sense of you can't have a difficult conversation with a boss or someone you need to stand your ground with, or because whenever you feel anxiety or fear in your body, you go away, right? So that's how it impacts your life potentially. You know, that's, that's a kind of anecdotal example, but you know, that's how I think that's that's why it's important to come back down into the body. Yeah. Get rooted. Get rooted. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So. Are men and women impacted differently by trauma and in particular sexual trauma? You know, it's very individual, the narrative, the story, someone's personal history. But I do find energetically that men, it tends to impact themes of, they tend to uh, clamp down emotions more potentially as a coping mechanism. And that, of course, is cultural conditioning. It's also based in the fact that the masculine energy body tends to be more anchored in the root chakra. So that's very physical, not so emotional. So everything tends to get stuck there, right? Where for women, we're anchored more in the second chakra in the pelvis that is linked to emotional fluidity, our emotions. So for women, it's more common for boundaries to be the big issue and emotional. I hate to use the word instability, but it's really like so empathic because there's no sense of boundary, which is rooted in that root and navel. They're so empathic that they take on other people's emotions, don't always even know what emotions are their own versus other people. And so there's this sense of just constant emotional swinging, right? So that is not always the case, but that's say kind of the 80% rule of what I see in terms of energetically. So for women, I'm often working a lot with 
boundaries, boundaries, grounding, grounding, right? And for men, right. I'm working a lot with fluidity, fluidity, releasing rigidity, right? So that, that, and that's more second chakra work, but it's- That is yeah. so interesting yeah. that you say that the boundaries piece, the, you know, the up and down with the emotions, the um, feeling other people's energies or insights. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and empathy is a good thing, right? And and right. we can utilize it once we learn how to manage it. But for some people, um, they just feel like they're absorbing, or they don't even realize it. They're absorbing other people's energies, maybe even into their body. They're absorbing other people's stress, right? Impacts their health and impacts their sense of stability. And so reclaiming that is often a big part of the work. Yes. So how can energy work most benefit sexual trauma survivors. And I am all ears. I'm about to take notes. <laughs> this is the selfish side for yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I do think every, every healer, every survivor has to find the modalities that work for them and the right combination. So it's very unique. But what I find for the people who gravitate to energy work, it's partially because it is non-invasive right? It doesn't, it's, doesn't involve physical touch like body work, which can also be valuable, but for some survivors is too triggering, right? And it also uh, potentially can be done remotely or on your own in some cases. That's why I wrote the book to give people a sense they can do some work on their own because some are intimidated by the idea of one-on-one counseling, being alone, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, for some people, I find it's like the first step because it's non-invasive and then they move on to counseling or body work or other modalities. In other cases, people will come to me and they'll say, I have done counseling and therapy. So I feel like on the narrative level, I understand my story. But now I'm looking for tools. When I'm triggered in fear in the moment, how do I work with it in my body, right? Mm. And energy work is sort of this bridge between your psyche and your body. So I think those are the two big things that it's, non-invasive and that it it's both somatic and psychological it's like in between <laughs> right you know? right right yeah definitely yeah so how can energy healing and traditional talk therapy or more conventional modalities work together in a trauma healing program yeah so i feel like in talk therapy you're often focused on memory and on remembering what happened and working with that reclaiming that narrative right for yourself that personal insight is this kind of liberation in energy healing. Then I'm not working with memory so much. We're not trying to recover what happened. We're working with the imprints as you feel them. Now, do you feel shame? Do you mm. feel, uh, unworthy? And we may be working with it, not in the context of the abuse from the past, but now in this life, like I need to talk to my boss about a raise I'm underpaid but I can't ever have those conversations because I feel I just, there's this, this cringing, right? Right. These unworthiness feeling or feeling that I shouldn't ask for something. Yeah. Or patterns of uh, relationships of, you know, having uh, relationship after relationship that maybe isn't explicitly abusive, but where you're not being treated the way you deserve to be treated and trying to break that pattern. So we're looking at, you know, the ways that, then that feels in your energy body and working with chakra exercises to, you know, shift your vibration, which I know may sound very woo woo, but 
<laughs> so we're trying to do right. It's, it's, it's an essence, like you think about it, almost like um, extrapolating the trauma from within, and you know, yeah. to try to get it kind of out of your body. Yeah, and what's interesting is I feel like it's a great combination because if you just do the energy work without talk therapy, sometimes you can engage in spiritual bypassing, right? Where you're just bypassing because you don't want to face the past. And on the other hand, if you just do the talk therapy, sometimes you don't have the tools you need to in the moment to change how you respond. So I feel like they're they're a good combination. So you talk about a lot of trauma sensitivity. What is that and what is it about? Yeah. And why is it important? Yeah. Well, I work with an organization called the Breathe Network that you mentioned that mm-hmm. they do a lot of training for holistic healers of all types about how to be trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive in your work. So that's really what I mean about how does how do energy workers, a meditation teacher, a masseuse, right? How do you be trauma-sensitive? There's a lot of things that we assume like, oh, this is relaxing. Let's dim the lights and put on some incense and close the door, yeah. right? And it definitely <laughs> could trigger someone completely. Yeah. So rethinking how you create spaces where people have choices, Mm -hmm. Uh, even in yoga classes, how do you, you know, you don't have to lie down on your back if that feels too vulnerable for you, right? Like you give, everything has a choice. So in my work, that's what I'm always trying to create this sense of, this is my thought on the energy exercise we'll do right now. How does that sound to you? You can stop it at any point because there's a lot of energy training where there's like these processes and they teach you, you have to take the person all the way through the process. It's this big release. You have to get to the end. You have to force it. That can be traumatizing. So in, in my space as an energy healer, trying to uh, be aware about how do you create choice? There's always exit points on a process. The client, the patient is uh, driving and in control of what we're doing. It's not an authority. I'm the authority telling you what you need to do. So it sounds simple. It's, you know, it's hard, but that's kind of uh, trauma sensitive principles uh, in general. It sounds very similar to um, the training. Um, I took a a, a training on trauma focused cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. TFCBT, and you have to take the person through each and every uh, phase of the trauma, the mm-hmm. child, because it's mostly TFCBT is used mo- mostly for younger mm-hmm. uh, children um, and with some exposure with, mm-hmm. with certain things. And so um, th- there's a lot of work that can be done to heal trauma in so many different capacities. However, what I'm hearing from you is that there's also similarities because it just brought me to my aha moment. Like, you know, th- this is what we kind of discuss some of this yeah. in my training. Well, and I think so thank in you the, for mentioning that. Yeah, and I think in the psychology world, there is a lot more awareness about how to do that. But energy healing and the kind of programs that are even meditation teaching, it isn't necessarily covered, right? And so trying to bring more awareness to that because these modalities can be very helpful to people. Um, but only if people are, you know, an instructor is aware of and sensitive. To all, I, all the different I think we'll get there though. Yeah, we are definitely. I think and we'll get there because I had a discussion um, many podcasts ago with uh, someone who also does kind of like energy work, but we, t- but she's also a therapist, a psychologist. So um, we talked about how like now the schools of social work and the schools mm-hmm. of psychology are now incorporating spirituality. Yeah. And so um, 
I know that down the line it'll it'll probably there's get a bridge happening. Now, yeah, yeah. There, there's a, there's a bridge, and there's this this push also for mindfulness and mindful meditation and mindful practices. Um, so it it'll get there. It'll get there. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So you mentioned um, spiritual disassociation in the context mm-hmm. of energy body trauma reactions, um, and I know we touched base a little bit before about it, but I, I want to kind of hone in on that, um, especially because. Um, in the work that you do, um, but it's interesting how disassociation can only can not only just be with um, engaging in sexual intercourse, you know, a- after the trauma, but in different aspects and in different um, things that can happen in your life where you can kind of disassociate, whether it's even as simple as watching TV or speaking to someone, or if there if another trauma comes across that's not related to that, but how your body kind of disassociates. So mm-hmm. I want to kind of yeah. get a little bit more into it. Yeah. I mean, it's really about building your window of tolerance, building your sense of resilience of, okay, I can be uncomfortable. I can be uncomfortable and work with that. I don't have to go into these patterns of whatever it is, TV watching, too much wine, <laughs> you know, whatever patterns yeah. I have, or just spacing out, daydreaming whenever I feel uncomfortable. So that's a piece of it. And when I say spiritual disassociation, what I find, because obviously working with chakras, I have a lot of people come to me who are very spiritually oriented, part of, say, the new age community. Mm-hmm. And it's a real risk to use those kinds of teachings actually as a method of disassociation. So you feel like you're doing all these things to help yourself, say, thinking positive, right? right. Um, attending workshop after workshop, you know, uh, talking to spiritual guides and this kind of thing, all of which I believe in and I believe is real. But I have found a lot of spiritually oriented people who will use that to bypass very real psychological work they need to do to face their past. And they they have to deal with the trauma in their body, in their energy body, not Mm -hmm. just keep seeking a new story about why it happened. That's what I really mean. I run into that a lot. Like, that kind of, um, my angel told me it happened because of this past life association. Okay. I don't disregard that at all. Right. I believe in everything, but n- that story latching onto that story doesn't it's help not helping you the other story. It doesn't yeah. help you anchor into <laughs> your body. So I'll find people that can't keep a job, can't function in daily life are very, the way I think of it is they're very developed in these upper chakras. Mm-hmm. But the lower chakra functions of daily life and relationship and money and home are still very compromised. So that is so interesting that that you mentioned that because something as traumatic as sexual abuse in sense, what whatever it is to kind of really disturb at whatever age period that this happened. Um, and though people do work to heal, whether it's therapy, whether it's this kind of work, that if that there are other factors that impact you. So you think that you're like, oh yeah, you know, I've healed it. I've, I've addressed this, but in you mentioning, I can't keep a job or I can't keep a relationship or my mood is like continues to fluctuate or I'm overeating or I'm under eating or I'm controlling things because that was one part of my life mm. I could not control. So I have to control this. Yep. Oh, so I, 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 
Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I love I, everything you're saying because I have so many examples of all of those for sure. Well, go ahead. Give us give us some examples. Well, the control one is big. You know, I find that there's there's so much variation again in how a survivor might respond. But some survivors get into adult life and they're very much they're locked in what I call the navel chakra. Like I will never be vulnerable again. So in fact, to the outside world, they're super successful. They're super and powerful. Rigid. And rigid. Exactly. (laughs) So relationship is a problem. Sometimes anger is a problem. And, uh, but they're successful. They, they're not the ones who can't keep a job or make money. They can do all that, but everything else is closed. It's very, you know, if, if things don't go exactly the way that I want them to go, there is either an angry response or a freezing response. The energy of the second chakra, which is all about fluidity, it's the yin energy, is not present. It's all been shut down in an attempt to feel safe. And people will come to me like, oh, I have such a problem with anger. I need to work on my anger. And when we get underneath it's you need to work on feeling safe in your body because your anger is just whenever you feel threatened, things aren't going the way you want, you lash out in anger, but it's really about control in order to feel safe. So what we need to work on first is feel safe. Again, root chakra, right? It looks like it always comes back to that. Like, I feel like you're talking to me, not really? really the anger thing, but like the, like I, the rigidity thing yeah. sometimes. Perfectionism it, it, it's too. It, it is a big thing. Like at work, they joke around with me, but they're like, you're the policy person. You're like, you're the one that knows the policy book and every policy manual inside out. That's me. You know, I don't like being late to some place because it, it like brings anxiety. Or if I have so many things to do, like I can't sleep because I'm thinking it has to be this way and this way. And I want it detailed and I want this and this. Could you imagine when I was planning my wedding? I I, I planned the whole thing because I needed to control. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I could, I could, I, I, I'm like, you're, you're talking to me right now. <laughs> well, and it's a tremendous gifts, right? I mean, you're successful yeah. because of that, but it causes stress if you yes. aren't able yes. to balance that with the yin, with the, I yes. can go with the flow. I can change the plan. It can rain on my wedding day. I hope it didn't, but. <laughs> right. No, 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 it didn't. Okay. But yeah, no. And I can sometimes be like, I could go with the flow. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah. need to make sure I have some kind of control in it. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm grateful that you brought that up because it was so enlightening. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's you, Jamili. <laughs> so you know, for that, I work on the root chakra for safety, but also like the navel chakra is personal power. It's like you, it's like everything's locked there. It's out of balance, and you're trying to spread out. So there's chakra exercises that are about spreading the energy up and down from the navel. So there's more of a sense of flow and spread. And then, but the foundation is that, you know, feeling safe in the body. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Yeah. So I have another question for you because I've, you know, I've read about, you know, chakra work and energy Mm. work. Um, One thing that's come across is Kundalini. Mm. And um, there's something, there's like a connection to this with some, something called like a Kundalini crisis, right? Um, so how does it fit in with the context of both women's energetic and trauma healing? Yeah. Oh gosh, I could go on and on on this, but I'll try to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> so we, there's a lot of different energies that move through the chakras. Kundalini is the energy of growth. It's often associated with spiritual traditions. There's specific kundalini yoga, kundalini meditation traditions that have exercises designed to bring the kundalini up. But in fact, whenever we're in a period of change, our kundalini is activated. 
It can activate for a lot of reasons. Whenever we're trying to bring about change, we're trying to bring the Kundalini through, right? And Kundalini crisis refers to when that seems to go too fast or too intensely and we feel overwhelmed and in, in, and that can manifest physically, mentally, a lot of different things. And trauma survivors can be more susceptible to that feeling of kundalini overwhelm in the face of change because of everything we've been talking about. That intensity doesn't feel safe. The change the, that doesn't feel safe, right? So there's a lot of crossover with learning how to just work with change and kundalini energy in a gentle paced way believing that you can handle the change, you can handle um, the shifts. I also find there's times when people spontaneously go through kundalini bursts. One of them is perimenopause <laughs> in right. our 40s. leading up. And that can be a time where if someone hasn't faced past trauma in their life, like if they've been pushing it away, the kundalini kind of says, no, you're going to heal this now. And that message Ooh. might manifest as... Um, physical issues or mental health issues that need to be addressed. So there's this real interplay between Kundalini and change and trauma healing and women's cycles that mm -hmm. is, uh, is very interesting, very complex, but can be worked with consciously for sure. Now, just to make sure that the audience members um, know what, what is the Kundalini and where is, where is the Kundalini? Yeah. Well, the traditional teachings are that the Kundalini is, pooled at the root or first chakra, and that it travels up as we go through change. The spiritual awakening process is considered the Kundalini moving up in general in our lives. But really the Kundalini is kind of going like this all the time. Like if you're going through a big relationship change, you may have a lot of Kundalini in your heart because there's a lot of change going on right there. And there's hurt and there's healing and trauma. And if you're working on, you know, developing your intuitive skills and taking a class. You may have a lot of kundalini up in your third eye. So it's really not a linear process. It's kind of moving all the time where it's applying the Fluid. most pressure. But what's interesting for women is that kundalini is actually anchored in our second chakra in our pelvis, the one linked to our cycles, menstruation and pregnancy and menopause. There's a lot of power, energetic power in those transits that was taught in ancient women's spiritual traditions, you know, and has been less present. There's more awareness about it now, but that's part of what I try to cover in my work as well is how do you can work with that from a chakra perspective. So Lisa, what are some, can you give us three um, little knowledge nuggets you can give to sexual trauma survivors? Yeah. In their healing process? Yeah, I think uh, or who need to heal. <laughs> yeah. Search for healers and therapists and supporters who make you feel safe and like you're in the driver's seat of your own healing. If you're going to do one affirmation a day, do I am safe in my body. I love that one. <laughs> if, that, if you just do one, do that. <laughs> you know, and uh, third. Um, no one can take your power from you. They can block your sense of your own power. So what I find is often what happens is someone feels like my abuser or my assaulter took something from me and I have to get it back from them, right? 
And I find it's helpful. Let go of that and focus on just reclaiming your own power and then use that however you want. You can pursue justice against your abuser or assaulter for sure, but don't think that your healing is dependent on them ever acknowledging what they did wrong or saying they're sorry. Because if you wait for that, you're waiting forever. And that's what I find. Don't put it in their hands. Reclaim your power and then use that power how you want. Uh, Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think those are my three messages. (laughs) So where can people find you? The book is called Chakra Empowerment for Women. And in yeah, every I'm chapter. I'm definitely picking that up. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's great. Yeah. And every chapter includes a section for sexual trauma healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's available everywhere. Amazon, if you'd like to purchase from your local bookstore, go to indiebound.org because you can put in your zip code and they'll tell you what local bookstores carry it, which is great. Oh, yeah. And the book website is Chakra Empowerment for Women. And from there, you can get to my client website and blog all of that on Facebook, Instagram, all yeah. that good stuff. Okay. So and you're on Instagram and Facebook as well. As Chakra Empowerment. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa, for spending this time with me and for engaging in this deep conversation. Um, it's it's important for women. It's important for men as well, but it's important for audience, audience members who feel shame, who feel um, disempowered to really talk about their traumas and I share my story because it's a story of empowerment because at the end of the day, I have not let that trauma uh, defy all of me and who I am. You know, there's obviously work that has to be done continuously in my own in my own way to kind of continue my healing process. Cause it's a journey. It's, it's one, a, a big trauma like that takes a while, you know, to kind of work on that journey, which, um, I'm grateful that you, you brought up about, um, you know, the, the control and, and, uh, um, that, and that kind of resonated with me where it continues to hone in that I'm doing the work and I have more work to do and yeah. that's okay. And that's okay. You know, everything is a journey exactly. and, and we this all do. process. Exactly. So I'm really grateful and humble that you spent this time with me to just, you know, give us this information. Um, and definitely guys look her up, definitely going to get the book and, um, continue the healing process because you are not alone. And thank you so much for having me and for your work in the world. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope this episode fed your soul. Please be sure to download new episodes. You can also head on over to rate, review, and subscribe. For more updates, find us at www.iambeauteousme.com or on Instagram at iambeauteousme. Don't forget to use the hashtag beauteousmepodcast for your feedback.